Welcome to your dog cast, where we feature news just for dog lovers. Here's your Rover reporter, Mary Lou Davidson. Welcome back to the Rover reporter. Today, we're talking about doggy dementia. It is kind of like Alzheimer's in humans, but to help explain it and talk about things that we can do to sort of delay it and maybe even treat it, Dr. Jim Dobies is here. And he's the founder of Urgent Vet, and they have now more than 52 clinics across the U.S. Congratulations on that, Jim. Thank you very much. Happy to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's something that we always worry about, and we're always keeping an eye out on our dogs to make sure that they're functioning at the same level that they were when they were four or five years old. At what age do you really start needing to pay attention and looking for those signs? I think those clinical signs often come along with some of the disabilities that go along with aging. So when you start to see uh, uh, evidence that your dog has um, mobility impairment, you know, osteoarthritis, degenerative joint disease, you know, they're not as active, they're not as able to exercise as they used to Maybe they don't like to take steps. Maybe they don't like to jump on the bed, that kind of thing. I think you really have to start thinking about cognitive decline at that stage. And then another is um, when you diagnose them with heart disease. Um, obviously, heart disease comes with some uh, decrease in cardiovascular function and blood flow to the brain certainly is a concern at that point as well. So um, if, if you're talking to your veterinarian about a heart murmur or about any type of disability in your dog, um, you should also start to consider whether or not there's a cognitive decline going on as well. That's interesting. I've recently been through that and I wish I would have asked my, uh, my vet about that. She didn't bring it up, but now I know. How common is it? I read somewhere, I've read a whole bunch of different numbers. One said 17 to 35%. Another said 50% of dogs over the age of eight. How common is it? Um, in my clinical experience, I think it's probably closer to that 50% number. And the symptoms that you see, um, I, I have a senior dog myself. The symptoms that I've noticed in her in particular is that even though her eyesight and her hearing is fine, her ability to um, navigate our backyard and respond to my voice and to our you know, verbal cues has declined. So I'll call her name and sometimes she'll come because I know she can hear me. She can certainly see me and smell me. Sometimes she appears to be lost and disoriented. Um, it's not uncommon for her to go to the wrong side of a door to be let in or let out. So instead of going to the open side, she goes to the hinge side. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and one other thing that she often does, well, two other things that she does. Um, one is she'll bark at things that aren't there. <laughs> um, I ask her, what are you barking at? Unfortunately, she doesn't tell me. Um, but, but I, I don't think that whatever it is that she's cued onto is actually, uh, there in reality. Uh, and then the final piece of it is, and I think this is fairly common in human medicine as well, is her days and nights get mixed up. 
So she spends a lot of her time during the day sleeping. And then at night, she's unable to rest and, and she's quite anxious and restless. So she'll jump up and down off the bed. She'll scratch, she'll whine, she'll, you know, wander around the house. She might actually have accidents in the house. Um, and, and I don't think any of that is her being spiteful or, you know, um, uh, a, a lack of training. I, I generally, genuinely think she's confused. Um, and, and so obviously, you know, you can see these symptoms and if, if they happen occasionally, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a sign of cognitive decline, but if they're happening daily and, or, or weekly and on a regular basis, I, I think they're certainly, um, characteristic of, of that sort of thing. And, and what we call that is, is K9 cognitive dysfunction. It actually has a name. And it's kind of like sundowners, right? Mm hmm. Um, yeah, and there are some dog models that, you know, they're using for Alzheimer's disease in people. Um, but I don't know that the, the, I think the jury is still out on whether or not dogs serve as a good model from that standpoint. But certainly there are aspects of canine cognitive dysfunction that are reminiscent of Alzheimer's in people. It's actually caused by some kind of protein situation in the brain, right? That's the current thinking. Um, I, I think that there's still an awful lot, um, that we don't know. Um, canine brains are similar to ours from the standpoint that we're both mammals, but the brain itself in people, obviously we've got a very well developed frontal lobe and our brain sits in, you know, this, this case that has, you know, fluid that protects our brains, whereas dogs, their their brain fills most of that space. And so it it's a different type of of setup, if you will. Yeah. Um and and some of the symptoms that we see in Alzheimer's, which have to do so much with with memory and with um processing and with personality, those aren't easily translatable into dogs. Um, so certainly dogs have intelligence and, and many people would argue that they do have, you know, a, a sentience about them. It, they're, they're, they're just different than people are. So it, it's hard to say with certainty, you know, that the mechanisms are the same and that the, 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 um, the, the, the fixes are the same. It may be that one thing that works in people would not have any benefit in dogs and vice versa. Yeah. And when you have an older dog that may be experiencing that, I know we've all tried, there are lots of over-the-counter type calming treats or an anxious dog at two in the morning is something to deal with, right? Oh, it is. Nobody can sleep. Do you have any recommendations for those types of situations? Yeah, I think a lot of the same things that we recommend in people uh, do have some benefit in dogs. So, you know, the first and foremost is make sure that, you know, your dog is eating a, a, a well-balanced diet. And there's some evidence that certain types of foods may be beneficial, uh, for cognitive, uh, health, um, like, fish like, oil. Sorry. Like what kinds? Yeah. Of so, so like fish oil, for example. Um, and glucosamine and chondroitin from the standpoint of osteoarthritis and degenerative joint disease. And, um, there are other 
proprietary diets out there that, that make claims about cognitive um, function. Um, but along with the diet, um, then regular exercise and enrichment activities that gets your dog out walking and active and um, that, that challenges them to be um, interactive with you uh, to help keep that, that brain game going uh, more frequently. And of course, exercise during the day, you know, certainly does lend itself to better sleep at night. Um, so those things are all helpful. There's also some medications out there on the market. Um, the most common one, I don't want to mess the name up, is, is called Anapril. And it's been around for a while. Um, it, it's shown to have some benefit for certain types of cognitive dysfunction, um, but it, it tends to be a fairly mild benefit and it doesn't tend to last forever. So you'll see, you know, some improvement in some dogs for a period of time. And then unfortunately decline will continue, persist and continue beyond that. So, um, there's just so much at this point we don't know. And, you know, I encourage, um, you know, the pet parents that, that see me to, um, you know, really focus on enrichment and quality of life. Um, because obviously, uh, that's the most important piece. You know, we need to enjoy our pets and they need to enjoy us. And we need to have, you know, a, a household where that human animal bond is strong. And, you know, you, you, you get equal enjoyment out of that. Uh, and, and, and as time goes on and, and the quality of life declines, um, then you have to have, you know, serious conversations with your veterinarian about um, whether or not the quality of life is sufficient to keep, keep going. Yeah. And to your point about enrichment, um, there are all kinds of really fun puzzles out there that you can get on Amazon. Um, and I have a couple of them, but the thing my dog likes the best is I take a muffin tin and put a little treat in each cup. And then I put a toy on top and he has to take the toy off to get to the treat. So yeah, he uses his paw to, you know, flip the lever on the expensive plastic thing that, you know, hopefully I'll be able to pass on to someone else at some point. But the muffin tin, that's that's the ticket. I sense the joy of, hey, we're going to play uh, when I get that out. So nutrition and exercise, somewhere I think I read something like 150-something minutes weekly. So uh, about 30 minutes a day, five days a week of uh, robust or, you know, active walking and uh, that that should help stave off early onset or onset and that it's good for the human too. So it turns I agree. Out, yeah. Exercise um, helps stave off Alzheimer's in humans. What do you think the point is? I mean, how do I ask this? I know a lot of people will carry their dog around until it's beyond the point of being fair, I think, to the dog. But if the dog, then I know other people that if the dog is eating and drinking and sleeping and seems happy, then so it's a hard decision to make. But at what point do you think a veterinarian should start talking with this patient's 
parents about the next step? Yeah, I get that question a lot. And I personally think about that question a lot. And just backtracking real quick, one of the things that I love to recommend if it's suitable for the household is that your dog get a dog. Um, because if you think about it, they are pack creatures. They are happiest in a social setting. And we are certainly a part of their pack, but we're not home all the time. And we also, as much as we try, can't uh, inject dog-like behaviors and enjoyment into our relationship. You know, so uh, our eldest uh uh, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel is not a huge fan of her two younger sisters, but I think they do keep her, uh, younger and healthy. And from time to time, they do play. And I think that's really helpful for an older dog to have that kind of experience. And, and if you can't afford or your lifestyle doesn't lend itself to another dog, as you uh, kind of alluded to, um, you know, there are dog parks. There are um, meetups and in, 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 you know, social settings where they can have some time with other dogs if, if they enjoy that. And it gives them an opportunity to kind of stretch that, that, uh, uh, behavior, uh, train just a little bit to, to, you know, remind them that they're, they're part of a bigger community and that they can get some enjoyment out of that. Um, from the standpoint of quality of life, I, I tend to take the, the, the path of, um, good days versus bad days, right? And um, first of all, to manage, you know, disability and to ensure good quality of life, um, we have to take care of the the discomfort or the pain associated with being active. So we have to make sure that if they have oste- osteoarthritis and degenerative joint, joint disease, we're taking the steps we need to take so that they're not in discomfort and that they can be active. Um, secondly, uh, to your point, they need to be eating and drinking a a healthy diet so that, um, you know, they have the building blocks that they need in order to be, um, active and healthy. And then, you know, the third thing is, you know, are they able to maintain a certain level of cleanliness? Um, for me, once a dog is unable to remain continent, and to um, avoid soiling themselves and their bedding, um, they they that that is a need for most animals. You know, and, and whether it people, cats, dogs, etc. You know, in in if they can get up and go outside and use the bathroom and enjoy sitting in the sunshine and that kind of a thing, um, I think the quality of life is still there. Um, once we get into a position where we have to spend a lot of time. Uh, you know, cleaning up after them and cleaning them physically. Um, I, I think it starts to take a toll not only on their own sense of well-being, but on our sense of enjoyment. You know, right. it, it, it's, it's tough. So if, if on a daily basis, um, the, the dog is just no longer able to get up, go outside, um, you know, do its business and, and enjoy that time. And then, um, really all it's doing is sleeping and then maybe eating. Um, it, it's time to start thinking about, um, crossing the rainbow bridge because they don't see time the way that we see time. You know, for us, time is, is a very valued proposition that we talk about and think about using wisely. 
Um, I often would love to be more like my dog where it, I'm, I'm present and I enjoy, you know, every moment to the fullest. Right. right. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't captured that superpower just yet. But um, if 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 they can't do that, if it, if if they're in constant discomfort, they're not eating and drinking uh, and, and on a daily basis, they're just not able to function normally. Um, I, I think it's time to consider um, moving on to the next phase. So the main takeaway then is to make sure that your dog is eating the right diet. And I guess you can talk to your veterinarian about that, do some research online, uh, maybe supplement with some vegetables uh, that you've cooked and then exercise and enrichment. And those are the best things you can do to keep your dog healthy and have a healthy mind, healthy mind and body. Yeah. Well, Jim, thank you so much for explaining all these uh, complicated ins and outs of dog cognition, because I think it's a mystery that we wanted to wrap our heads around so that we can do the best thing for our dogs. And we hope to see you again on the Rover Reporter. Thanks for having me.